Hey, good morning, Rock Church. Hey, uh, I'm excited about the series. I'm fired up this morning, and I just want, I want to give you one word uh, just to sort of start the day this morning, and it's the word spectrum, all right? When you think of spectrum, what do you think about? You think about like a whole array of colors or the broad picture, um, and what I, what I want to say is that in, in this auditorium this morning is, is a spectrum of people who are on or potentially on a spiritual journey of some kind. And so what I'm going to begin with is, is that I'm going to assume that what you know about the Bible in large measure um, about this book may, may be based on what someone told you about this book. It, it may be that there was a, a, a preacher or a pastor or a priest or a, a parent um, or maybe someone that was a a self-proclaimed prophet, or maybe a professor, and, and, and because of the relationship that you had with that person, maybe even me, is, is that, that this book became whatever they said it was, and, and that's sort of the take that you have on it. And in this room are, is a great big spectrum of, of takes on, on what's in here. And and it could it could be that you know early on in life you were told by someone that this is this is what it says and this is what it means and this is how it applies to your life and then a little bit later on you maybe you began to read it yourself and you, and you said wait a minute that, that's not whole, that's not holding water for me that I've got some questions or 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 concerns or you may have said gosh does God really does God really want me to do to do that and maybe like in my case I started I started really late in life on on my spiritual journey probably 30 38 years of age and I walked into a church and and basically I got the ABCs of the Bible and if those ABCs didn't align with your life or or you weren't able to adapt and associate and and regulate your life according to everything in here then then there was something wrong with then there was something wrong with you and we all we all get to this place where it it becomes something that we have to that we have to reconcile. We've talked about reconciliation a lot, and so I just I just want you to know that this series this this series is not about where you are on the spectrum. It's really about where we all can potentially be uh, on the spectrum. And so I, I want to give you some caveats for this series that, um, you know, for those of you that maybe have embraced this for a long time, based on these caveats, you're going to want to get in my grill over the next several weeks for about one thing or another. You're going to want to make an appointment with me and say, I, you know, <laughs> come on, let's, uh, let's talk this through. And, and what I want to tell you is that this, this whole series is going to be progressive. So don't, don't camp out on one talk and, and think that, you know, that's going to be the whole thing because, because it's not. It, it, and so let me, let me give you the caveats uh, up front. Uh, first, first one is this. It's acceptable if you don't believe, understand, or follow everything that's going on in the Bible. It's acceptable. There, there are people in the room that, because of life circumstances or because of trauma or traumatic events, they have a hard time saying, I'm going to line up with, with everything that's in there. And it's acceptable if you don't believe it, understand it, or follow it. Number two, everything in the Bible isn't applicable 
to your life in 2020. There, there are a lot of things in here that are strictly inspirational and motivational, um, but they're not exactly applicable to all of your life in 2020. And, and a lot of people are going to say, well, if, if it's true, if it's the Word of God, then everything in here should be directly applicable in some fashion. And, and as we work through it, we're going to find out that, that there are things that, 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 just, isn't, that just isn't true. And, and then lastly... It, Lastly, everything in the Bible is there to ensure just two things, that you, that you know God is approachable and you can have a relationship with him through, through Christ. Now, I, I know that, that there are folks that want to say, you know, b- because of what it is, and, and believe me, I, I love the text, I love the Bible, but there are those people that say because it's, because it's God's word and because it's the revelation of God that it, it's, it's one of those things that can take us through antiquity and, and it's a scientific book in some way and it proves all of these things or that it's a chronological historical book and because it's a chronological historical book it does this. And there are those that even say, well, this in some fashion shapes and, and, and dominates or documents all of my politics in life. And, and that's not... That's not what it was for, and it's not what it is for today. So I'm going to do something really, really dangerous. I'm going to take us back to when there was no Bible. And, and you know what? That's, that's ominous. But at one time, there, there wasn't one. As a matter of fact, we're going we're gonna to look at the text from from writers who were writing things uh, that never imagined that what they were writing were going to be in here. They, they, were, they were simply writing their story. They were, they were writing uh, about things that they had seen, about things that they had witnesses, witnessed. And, and when, you, when, when you take this text, you know, it's become pretty intimidating at times. I mean, if you look at it, it's broken down to 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. It's got concordances and index and maps and outlines and, and all different kinds of cross-references. And, and what we can do is we can, we can use it in such a way that, that in someone's life, it sort of pushes them away because it's so overwhelming. It's so daunting. It's, such, it's so much to embrace um, in, in our lives. So what we're going to do is we're just going to, we're going to follow the people who followed Jesus early on. And and to a certain extent, we're going to follow the story of the Bible as well. And so we're going to go back to a time when there, number one, was no Bible. There were no Christians. And there was no church. And, And we have a hard time imagining that. Because we've grown up in the context of the Bible and of Christianity and the church. And so, so what I want to do is, is this morning, I want to start with a blank sheet of paper. Just a blank sheet of parchment. And, and, and this, this may come as a surprise. But I want to say this. Because a blank sheet of parchment is where the Bible and the church started. It didn't start, the Bible didn't start with the Old Testament. The Bible started because there was a resurrection. And the whole point of this series is to follow along and realize that if there had been no resurrection, 
There would, have been, there would have been no Bible. If there wasn't a resurrection, there would have been no Christians. And if there wasn't a resurrection, there would have been no church. And so the Bible doesn't start in antiquity with the Old Testament. The Bible actually begins with an event, and that event changed the course of the world, and that event was the resurrection. Everything in the Bible springs from there, and that's what we're going to look at. So in the first century, there was this fellow by the name of Luke. And, and Luke was a doctor, and he happened to be um, living in the time when Jesus was on earth. And, and he was not an eyewitness to Jesus, but he was, a, but he was a, an associate with people that, were, that ran with Jesus. He was an associate with other men like Matthew and John and Paul, who had a relationship with Jesus when, when, he, when he was on earth, and Paul had a relationship with Jesus after the resurrection. And so what happens is if we go back in antiquity, we find, we find this document, we find this letter, and it's an intriguing letter, and it starts, it starts like this. It says, Dear Theopolis, now, now remember, no Bible, no church, no Christians. And so Dr. Luke, who is fastidious about details, he, he begins to pen a letter, and he says, Dear Theophilus, and Theophilus was another Gentile like Luke who had heard about the events of the resurrection. And so what, what Luke does is says, Many people have written, already written an account of the events which have happened among us. And so Luke is saying, I'm, I'm writing this to you about things that, that have already taken place. Everything that I'm writing has already taken place. Based, basing their work on the evidence of those whom we know were eyewitnesses as well as teachers of the message. So what we've got, we, we've got this doctor in the first century um, who is writing to another Gentile whose name happens to be Theopolis, and he says this, I'm, I'm writing to you an evidence-based eyewitness account of events. An evidence-based eyewitness account of events. When he was writing it, he, he never intended, nor did he ever think it would be the Bible, or it would be Scripture, or it would be a holy document in any way. He, he, was simply, he was simply like you and I. If you and I were to sit down at a desk and say, at the end of the summer, I want to write you the events of my summer, and you just start writing it out. That's, that's what he was doing. He was, he was saying, there's some, there's some things that have happened, and I, and I want you to know about those things. And, and so he begins this process of meticulously putting together the evidence that are eyewitness accounts of things that are, that are going on. And, and continuing on, he says, I have therefore decided, I have therefore decided, since I have traced the course of all these happenings carefully from the beginning, to set them down for you, myself, in their proper order. He, he says, I, I want to, he, he knows Theopolis has the big picture of what happened with Jesus on earth and the resurrection. But he says, I, I know you know the big picture, but I wanna, give you, I wanna give you all the specifics. I wanna give you all the details about what happened. And if, and if you were to, if you'd go back into the first century and we had the ability to, how many know what the Enneagram is in the room? Does everybody know what the Enneagram? It's a personality type. 
And the Enneagrams define different kind of personality types, and there's like nine different personality types. And type number one in the Enneagram is someone who is fastidious about the details. Um, someone that wants to record everything in absolute accuracy. Everything needs to be detailed. Everything needs to be exactly to the point. And he says, I want to I write things down in detail so that you may have reliable information about the matters in which you have already had instruction. And then a little bit later on in his book, in Luke chapter 5, which is what we know it as now, but then it didn't have chapters and verses. It was just part of a letter. He says, later on, later on, Jesus went out and looked straight at a tax collector, a publican called Levi or Matthew as he sat at his office desk. What's happening since chapter 1 and chapter 5 is that, that Jesus has been on a mission. He's, he's been out recruiting people to, uh, to follow him. And so far, in the process of recruiting people to follow him, he has recruited primarily what, what I would call just regular old Jewish fishermen. He's, he's already called people that are part of the, part of the Jewish community. He's called, he's called Peter, and he's called, Simon, he's called Andrew, and he's called Philip, and he's called John. And, and you know, you'd think if you were looking for people to follow you, that you would, you would grab onto those people that would be most appreciated or accepted or valued in the Jewish community. People that, that worked hard, they were, they were regarded as people that were probably of outstanding character. You know, fishermen in that time were kind of the blue collar, the working group of everything that was going on. And so J Jesus has called those, those kinds of people around him. But in, in this particular case, it says, later on, Jesus went out and looked straight at a tax collector, a publican called Levi, as he sat at his office desk. This is interesting because a, a publican, it's not a Republican, all right? I know a lot of people want to read, that, read into that, that because, he was, because he was a publican and collected higher taxes that he was a Republican in some way. That's not, that's not the case, okay? What's, what's happening is that, is that Jesus now is, is transitioning. A, a publican was someone who... Um, the Roman government auctioned off the rights to collect taxes from the Jewish citizens. And so what, what Matthew did was Matthew, in some way, bid on the ability to collect taxes on, for the benefit of Rome from his own people. He, he was basically someone who was collecting taxes for a foreign government with his own people. And I think that's why this text says, Jesus went out and looked straight at a tax collector. You know why he says that, I think? I think because if you were a Jewish citizen living at that point in time, you wouldn't look straight at Matthew. You know why? Because, first of all, you would have thought he was despicable and disgusting because he was collecting taxes for a foreign occupying power from people like yourself. 
it would have been it would have been one of those things where I'm not going to look at you because I'm disgusted with your life. I think you're an anathema. I think you're a tragedy as far as a Jewish person is concerned. And the other reason I'm not going to look at you is because if I do, you'll probably ask me if I paid my taxes. And, and so that's that's the situation that's the situation that we have. And and in this process, now listen. In this process. Jesus says in the next sentence this, follow me. Jesus said to him, and he got to his feet at once, left everything behind and followed him. Time out. You know what I see here? I, I, I see the word follow, and, and when, when I think of the word follow, I think of a, a whole spectrum of words that mean follow. You know, in, 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 church, in church terms, you know, someone that's called a follower of Jesus is, is normally considered to be someone that's a full-fledged disciple or someone that, that is a mature Christian or someone that knows everything that there is, is to be known. And in this particular case, the word that Jesus uses, he says, follow me, and, and Matthew followed. The word is simply this, accompany I, I, don't, I don't expect you to be mature. I don't expect you to know exactly who I am. I don't expect you to uh, believe certain things about me. I don't expect anything from you. All I want you to do, all I want you to do is simply accompany me. And, and when you begin to think about it, why, why would Jesus now Ask someone who was completely despised and completely despicable to begin to follow him. Because Matthew, Matthew didn't know who Jesus was. Matthew didn't know that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ, that he was the son of the living God, that he was anointed in some fashion. He, he, he just said, no pressure. Now listen. No pressure. Just accompany me. How, how about you? How, how did your journey start? I, I know how my journey started. I mean, I, I, was, I was as far away from God. I was as far away from the, the Bible, I was as far away from Jesus, I was as far away from anything spiritual that could possibly happen. And, and, and then there was this, this traumatic event in my life. And, and this traumatic event, you know, began to have an effect uh, on my bride. And, and my bride said, you know, based on what's happened in our life, I'm going to go back to church. And, and so we got, we got up on a Sunday morning. She went to church, and I stayed home because it was football season. Right? You ever done that? Um, it's a, there's a better option, and to me, the better option was football. And so she went to church, and she came back from church. And when she came through the door, my question was, so, how was it? 
And, and she said it was good. And then she said this, would you accompany me next week? You know many, how, how many spiritual journeys start because there's this pivotal circumstance, there's this thing that comes up in life and, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a church and, and you, may be, you may be there or you may have been there at some point in life. And, and, and because of life's events, because of life's circumstances, uh, you found yourself uh, accompanying, which really means, uh, you know, when I walked into church for the first time, I've got to tell you, I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what the worship music meant. I had no idea what was going on when the talk was going on. I had no idea what exactly was happening in a church. I was, I was completely clueless at that point in time. But what happened was there was this sense, and, and maybe that's the sense that Matthew had. There's this sense that there's this pivotal time in life. There's this pivotal circumstance or this pivotal place in life where Jesus says, maybe not audibly um, like Matthew heard, but maybe there's this point in time where you hear someone in, in the resonance of your own head say, follow, accompany, join, just walk alongside me. And, and, and that's what I did. You know, our, grand, our granddaughter, Maddie, um, seven years old, she has her first recital, piano recital, uh, coming up this Saturday. Um, so everybody, everybody's excited about this, this piano recital. And, and every once in a while, we get, we get a, a video, her, and your grandma sends a clip of the, sends us a video of, of Maddie practicing for her recital. And the last, the last video we got was so interesting because Maddie was sitting, Maddie was sitting on the bench in front of the piano on, on the left, and her teacher was on the right. And, and, and Maddie, Maddie was playing the basic notes, and her teach, teacher was playing all of the melody and all of the support and all of the background for what Maddie was doing. And, and the teacher basically was saying, let me, let me accompany you on, on your fundamental and your rudimentary journey through music. And, and the same thing happens with us spiritually. Jesus just says, come, come alongside. You know, participate in, in what's going on. You, you don't have to understand it. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to embrace it. But I know your life is at this point where you, you may need to make a change of some kind. And, and then something, then the, the whole following process is, the, is simply that. Following is just a process. When, when, you look at, when you look at following, it, it's a process. And that's what, that's what Matthew was doing. And when, and when you look at following again, also following is really something, something very, very radical. And this is what I want to show you. Following Jesus is a radical thing. Th let's look at the next verse. Then Levi gave a big reception for Jesus at his own home. And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and others at the table with them. Now, how crazy is that? 
How crazy is that? One, one day, you're collecting taxes for a foreign government from the people that are part of the nation that you are born into, and then Jesus says, follow me, and then you have a big dinner, and you invite Jesus. Why does that happen? Can, can, can you imagine? I mean, can, I can remember when I stepped into church, and then the following week almost, someone at my work asked me, and they, they knew who I was, they, knew, they had known me for a long time, and they said, what did you do this weekend? And, and I said, I went to church. You should have heard the gasp that took place. <gasps> really? That's pretty radical. And, and somewhere along the way, Somewhere along the way, as, as you begin to accompany Jesus, n- not knowing wh- who he is, what to believe, or what you're supposed to do, you're going to find yourself doing something really crazy, really radical in that process, and not even being able to explain it to yourself at that particular point in time. So let's, let's just do a how about you for a minute. Why, why did Matthew, why did Matthew make this radical change or transition? You know, we typically, and this is, this is true for me, we typically don't make any radical changes in our lives unless the life that we're living isn't working in some fashion, Right? I mean, if everything is going along the way we think it should go along and everything in life is ducky, we generally don't change anything. And, and so what we have here is we have this, we have this person who, who you'd think is doing okay in life, that he's probably wealthy and he's probably well-established and he has everything that he needs to have, and then all of a sudden he drops all of that and he begins to follow Jesus, and why did he do it? What, what wasn't working in Matthew's life? Possibly, possibly. Matthew was beginning to have a guilty conscience about his life's work as a Jewish citizen working for Rome, collecting taxes for Rome from his own people. Sometimes we have possibly, what am I doing with my life questions. You ever had those? What, what exactly am I doing with my life? There, there's, there's a pivotal circumstance here, and the pivotal circumstance is, is that Matthew is, it may be saying, what am, what am I doing with my life? Have you ever had that moment in your life? Have you ever had the moment, a reflective moment? Have you ever had a quiet time where, where you know, there's nobody around you and, and, and the house is quiet or you have some solitude time and you begin to ruminate in your own mind? You begin to ruminate in your own mind. What exactly is my life all about? Have, has anybody ever done that? Anybody ever done it? Anybody ever done it? Yeah. You know what I did? There, there was a particular. There was a particular bad spot. A particularly bad spot. Maybe, maybe even the kind of bad spot that Matthew was in. And I, I just sat down with a notebook. And. 
And I was crying out at that point. I, I was probably accompanying Jesus for a little bit at that point. And I, I opened up my notebook and I wrote down two things. Number one, what, what, what art would you live for? And number two, what would you die for? And, and when we get to that point, when we get to the point where we begin to assess our life's value, we, get to, we begin to assess what is my overall reason for being. When we begin to assess what is my overall purpose, you know, it gets, it gets way down into the nitty-gritty. And it, and it could have been that possibly, you know, possibly Matthew was feeling that, you know, I don't exactly have the same kind of friends that everybody else has. The kinds of friends I have are, are like me. The kind of people that I hang out are like me. And, and then there's this person by the name of Jesus who, who comes alongside and, and says, follow me. And so for the first time, I have, someone, I have someone that wants to have a relationship with me just because of who I am and not because of anything else. And may, maybe Matthew started to follow because there was someone that, that invited him other than the crowd that he normally runs with. Po possibly, maybe even Math Matthew was saying, you know what, I can't stand the weight of this job anymore. You know, the, the quotas and, and the expectations and the pressure that I'm getting from above, the pressures that I'm getting from Rome are just emotionally taking toll on my life. And because of the emotional toll on my life, I just want to change. I don't care what the change is. I don't care what direction it goes. I just don't want to be under this oppressive environment anymore. I need to move on. And then possibly, possibly, Possibly. There's this spark deep inside Matthew that happened. And, and it's just in his gut. You ever been there? That th this, is a, this is a God moment that I don't recognize as a God moment. This is, th th there's just an inkling inside me that says, you know, I need, I need to make, I need to make a move. I and then what happens? What happens is this. Maybe following the Pharisees, <laughs> Following is being included without conditions, not excluded because of conditions. You know what I think happened here? You know why I think Luke wrote this? Now, now remember, Luke is a Gentile writing to a Gentile. And, and normally Gentiles didn't have anything to do with God or the temple or anything that was going on from a religious perspective at that point in time. And, and so Luke, Luke is noticing that, Luke is noticing that Jesus, Jesus has been 
amazingly radical in his approach to who he's called. He called called a Jewish citizen that was so far out of bounds with other Jewish citizens. Maybe Luke is saying, you know, if if Jesus is going to call a Jewish person who is despised and disliked and not wanted in the community, maybe maybe there's a hope for me. Maybe, Maybe there's a place for me in this following. And maybe, just maybe, that Jesus is doing something that has never been done before. And that is that he's saying, you know what? God wants to include everybody. He wants to include everybody. That's, that's why, you know, if you go by the Rock Church um, and, you know, our reader board sign out there, what's the biggest thing that flashes on that side? Do you know? What's the biggest thing that flashes on that sign? What? Wildly inclusive. The Rock Church, wildly inclusive. What does that mean exactly? It, it means, that, it means that, that the Rock Church is doing everything it can to be like Jesus was early in the process. What the Rock Church is trying to say, we're wildly inclusive. If whatever you're doing, it's okay to come through the front doors and just accompany us for a period of time. Accompany with us, join us, walk alongside us. You don't have to believe anything. You don't have to belong to anything. All you have to do is just be here. And, and in the process of being here, maybe in the process of being here, there will begin to be this spark of radicalism in your life where you begin to wrestle with maybe your life's purpose or your life's direction or the emotions that you're feeling re- regarding how other people are treating you in life. And, and in the process, you'll draw a little bit closer. Now listen, listen. Inclusion 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 remember remember when Luke wrote this he, he wrote about a man who was so far out of bounds in his life from a religious perspective Nobody included him in a worship service. He wasn't permitted to go to synagogue. He was given no standing, no credit, no worth, no value, no significance, no chance, no future, religiously or spiritually. And and remember, It was before this was written. I want to show you a a graph, if we can go back to it just real quick. This is is an antiquity timeline. And we'll wrap up in a couple minutes. Jesus Jesus was born probably around 3 B.C., and was crucified died, was buried, and resurrected around 30 A.D. 
So a, a span of about a span of about 33 years. That was that was Jesus's uh, ministry presence on earth. And and then along and then along comes these writers, Luke, Matthew, Mark, John. And, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all written between 50 and 100 A.D. And, and they, weren't, they weren't writing the Bible. They were simply writing stories about people who followed Jesus. It, it wasn't until 400 A.D., that the first Bible was fully assembled by St. Jerome 370 years after the resurrection. And so, and so what we've got is we've, we've got this guy, Matthew. Levi was his Jewish name. And at the point in time when Jesus called him to follow him, he thought he had no chance in life to ever have significance and value and worth and well-being. And where did it all start? It, it, it all started by him being made to feel one thing. And it's the thing that we want you to feel here more than anything else. And Matthew was made simply to feel like he could belong without any qualifications. He didn't have to proclaim Jesus was anything or anybody. And he didn't have to do anything or believe anything specifically. He, he was just told, belong follow, accompany. And, and then what, what he said is that this is going to be a journey. This is going to be a process. This is going to be a spectrum that we all work through and walk through together for one reason and one reason only. That's to come and know who God is through the power of of the resurrection of his son Jesus and, and then to change the life that we live to be consistent with his teaching and his goodness and grace in our lives. So as we continue on in this process, remember it's a process. The first thing, no matter where you are in the room, and, the, and there may be people here this morning that this is their first time, first time in a church, first time um, ever hearing anything about a spiritual journey or a relationship with God or the integrity of Christ. And, and we need to allow those people, the church needs to allow those people to have as much room as they need for God to work in their lives for as long as he needs to so that they can feel comfortable and just accompanying Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning together. 
we're grateful for grateful for the writing of a doctor who did everything he could to set down eyewitness accounts of events that were going on around him that radically changed not only his life but radically changed the direction of spiritual life radically changed even Western culture as we know it today. And as we follow him and we follow others through this time and through this journey, I pray that each one of us maybe gets more of a glimpse of where we are on that journey. And no matter where we are, as far as God's concerned, he's okay with it. Some of us are just starting Some of us are in the middle, and maybe a lot of us are toward the end. Um, But nevertheless, he holds us up. He loves us. He has great care for us, and he wants us to do this thing not alone, not apart, but together. And since we are this church, the rock, we, we are now the resemblance of your son's body on earth or the church and we should be doing those things that Jesus did allowing people to feel a sense of connection even though they may not know exactly what they're connected with and let them travel with us and we thank you for that and praise you in your son's glorious name Amen